And thanks for listening. This is Most Certainly True, a podcast of Grace Lutheran Church in downtown Milwaukee. God's grace is for you. And if you're in the Milwaukee area, we'd love to get to know you. Please visit www.gracedowntown.org to contact us, find out about worship times, or learn more about what we're up to in Milwaukee. That's www.gracedowntown.org. It's podcast time. I'm glad you hit the play button. Here we are again. This is uh, Pastor Daniel Bonda with this most is with with I should start over. <laughs> but maybe I won't because your laugh is a good laugh. And it's just um, funny. with this is most certainly true. Eager to enjoy God's grace with you, which is most certainly true as well. And with me today is Pastor Aaron Strong. Say hello. Hey, everybody. Great to be here. And uh, what a you know, kind of a rough beginning to this pod- podcast, but we'll make it through, won't we? We will. <laughs> we'll good. plow forward one way or another. And you know what makes it a beautiful beginning? I I uh, gave you a hint I was going to do this, but um, so I was holding Elsie in my arms this morning, and at the same time, I pulled the curtain in in the bedroom or something, and so this... You know, she has this beautiful look. It's a sunshiny day outside. And this is what yeah. this is what she said. And then I made her say it again and I recorded it. Are you ready? It's a wonderful, beautiful, horsey day. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? Did <laughs> that you hear is, that? That is beautiful. It's a wonderful, beautiful, horsey day. <laughs> and that is also most certainly true. You know, that the sun is warm. It is shining. It is, you know, spring is on its way. I can see how it's a horsey kind of day. <laughs> it's a wonderful, Absolutely. beautiful horsey day. I need to record that cute little three-year-old voice. It's just, you can't, you can't replace Absolutely. it with anything. I should do more and, of that. And apparently you need a horsey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah look, well, we got plenty of horsies <laughs> on all the right kind. The, the ones that don't need to be fed. and The plastic kind. Those are the best. not too big. And yeah, yeah. We got all the plastic ones you could ask for. Oh, I love uh, it. Quite the herd. So, <laughs> but yeah, just think if you had all the horsies in the world. Uh oh, you're gonna do this, aren't you? I am gonna do this. This is the per- <laughs> It's like the perfect segue, right? You had all the horsies in the world. The 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 best, most beautiful horses. Oh, stables full of horses. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't it all just be meaningless? Yeah, wouldn't it just be meaningless? Ecclesiastes chapter 13, and <laughs> written by Elsie. You know, there you go. It's a wonderful, beautiful horsey day, but it's still meaningless and a chasing after the wind. Right. <laughs> <laughs> In a certain way. Oh, that's really funny. So our Bible book for um, for this week and this podcast is uh, Ecclesiastes, if you haven't caught that already. Um, but that was a perfect segue, way to roll with it. Yeah. And uh, we're going to look, we're going to talk a little bit about um, the the purpose, the some of the meaning, some of the things that we've been thinking about having just read through this book. Um, and uh, so if we if we jump in to the deep deeper waters that are Ecclesiastes, um, we know some things about the book. I I would say no because. Uh, we could talk about the author first. Mm-hmm. You've got a son of David reference. You have somebody with the position um, that sounds just a lot like Solomon, and um, the 
the kind of prosperity times where he could engage in a study of life like this and try this and build that and see if anything satisfies position. He right. was in that position, right? So Absolutely. I think that there's a way you say, this is likely Solomon who's hiding behind a, a more important title than someone's own name is a, is a teaching role and for us to pass on something that he would, or to push people to think about wisdom um, into that territory is a good thing and deserves right. some focus. Yeah, I mean, I, you could probably find an argument or someone who would argue against this being written by Solomon, but it just, that, that you'd have to really go a long ways. I mean, it just makes sense, right? From what we know about Solomon, um, the wisdom that God blessed him with, and, and that's pouring all out throughout this book of Ecclesiastes, this yeah. is wisdom. Yeah. And then also just the, the, the I've had everything, I've built everything, I've I've experienced it all, right? Well, that was Solomon. You read through some of the chapters that talk about Solomon and just all the stuff he had. Yeah, what was it? The Queen of Sheba came to visit and was just, she, she had heard about his wisdom and his wealth, but she was floored when she actually saw it firsthand and experienced it because it was even greater than she imagined. So, you know, I I'm pretty sure this is Solomon because he got this all. And I think it's kind of curious, too. I don't know that we know when exactly in his life he wrote this. But I'm just wondering, is this kind of like an end of life kind of like last? I've experienced it. And, and now I'm I'm getting close to, to death, maybe, you know, end of life. And mm-hmm. I got to share this with, with others because, you know, I, I think if we look at Solomon, he, he was a man of God in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. But he also got wrapped up in, in a lot of the world where he had so many wives and concubines and, and, and all that. He got wrapped up in their way of life and the worship of their gods and everything else, too. And so sometimes I think I've heard people wonder, well, do you think Solomon died as a believer? Right. You yeah. know, um, I think, yeah, I, I think we, we probably could say, yeah, he, he's going to be in heaven with us. Why? Because well, we've got writings from him his heart. So I think that there was a faith in Christ, even though he struggled with a lot of weaknesses in his life. Um, but two, I just wonder if maybe Ecclesiastes is kind of like this end of life kind of statement. Yeah. Where it's, hey, I've experienced this. I've made mistakes. I thought wisdom and the ways of this world was, was what it was all about. Mm-hmm. But I'm finding it was all kind of meaningless. Yeah. Uh, unless I had God. And I think that's really the the gist, the theme of this book. Yeah. He's either a really wise youngster who puts all these things together early. He certainly wants us to, you know, like chapter 12, we'll get there, you know, right. like uh, youths, you know, remember your creator in, the, in those days and not waiting to the end. But he talks about death like a lot as right. something that, you know, this is what, this is what changes the game of all these other pursuits in life is, well, you think it's going to last forever. You think that you're going to leave a legacy, but people are going to forget about you and your stuff is going to be owned by somebody else. So there's some of that um, fatalistic. I know there's a, kind of this bring the end up close and have everybody consider the outcomes face to face before you before you misspend your years. Absolutely. There's a hymn that says that. I think, I don't remember which one it is, but one of our hymns laments our misspent years. You're right, but I'm not recalling what hymn that and is. I couldn't sing it, and I couldn't remember the phrase that comes before <laughs> after, but, you know, that'll be a fun computer There's search. only a few later. hundred hymns to search yeah, through. Yeah. Thousand if, Number if we, one. we go all over, right? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Oh boy. But how about take, let's start with, um, do you care? Do we, can we start with the theme 
Yeah. Um, one of the themes you get from this book is its own phrase that recurs over and over and over and over again, the meaningless word and a chasing after the wind. So there's something to that that we should talk about. It's at least one of its themes, right? you know, serving a bigger purpose, I, I, I believe. But um, meaningless, meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Um, I would say maybe two things first off, and then you can help me out and we'll go further or whatever. Yeah. But the meaningless word, people are looking for meaning. And this is somebody who's coming in and holding before you a different word. Um, it's sort of like we we sort of want we want things to have meaning, right? Right. You want things to make sense, and we people like pull their hair out almost, you know, going through life, trying to have it make sense, working towards a goal, and then when it all crumbles apart, or when I get sick and I have that disease, or when I lose this thing that I always thought was going to be my meaning in life, then it's gone. And this is one of the ways that he shows. You know, how are you going to establish meaning? How are you going to make sense of this life? And and he's taking a very full table where humanity is trying in a lot of different ways to fill it with meaning and saying, nope. And he just tips it over. He just flips the table over in a sense, right? Mm -hmm. um, my second thing, should I pause there? Do you want to react to that? Well, we we could. What's is your second thing like a whole other tangent? <laughs> no, it's that well it's like the chasing after the wind. You right. know, why why say it it's almost like an interpretation of the word meaningless mm -hmm. to show how we have this innate desire for meaning. And I say desire because chasing is a chasing. There's this pursuit. Like right. I want this. Um, but then to say it's a chasing after the wind, that just sounds silly. I mean, right. imagine trying to chase the wind. And catching it, right? You know, right. It's a, it's a complete, yeah. you know, impossible, it's an impossible thing to be satisfied in your pursuit um, unless you begin asking other questions and going somewhere else, uh, which I think is a great way this book serves, serves us in our hearts as it drives us to a life that can only be lived with God. Right. And I think that it addresses this, you know, this book is, I, I don't know if Ecclesiastes is one of these books that a lot of people spend a good amount of time in, or if it's, it's just kind of short, it's tucked in after, you know, Psalms and Proverbs and, and before Song of Songs, before you get to the, some of the, the major prophets and things like that. And do people just skip over it? Because I feel like this is one of the, the more relevant, especially for our time and, and age, one of the more relevant books of scripture that really, because I think this hits on, and, and you're alluding to this idea, is just one of the great f philosophical questions that we have in our minds, and that really has been around for ages, is what is the meaning of life, right? We, yeah. we wrestle with this. What does my life really mean? Yeah. And where do I find my purpose mm -hmm. in, in life? And and that's exactly what what Solomon talks about here. It's what God sets on our hearts, is is you just glance through the the headings of some of these 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 sections in the, the early part of Ecclesiastes and, and you find things like wisdom and pleasures and toil, you know, your work and wisdom and, and foolishness and just all these things. And, and he says, they're all, they're all meaningless. Mm -hmm. 
they, these are the things that we think we're going to find meaning in. I think I'm going to find great meaning in my career. And so I throw all of my heart and life into my career. And then I find out that I'm never quite satisfied with where I'm at in my career, or I'm going to find satisfaction or, or meaning in, in my bank account and my finances. And then the, the market crashes or there's a recession or, or something unexpected comes up. And now all of a sudden my money isn't what I thought it was going to be. Or I put yeah. all my, my, my family's going to be the most meaningful thing in my life. Yeah. And then you run into these troubles where whatever the dynamics of a family life where, where children and parents don't always get along or a relationship falls apart, whatever it might be. And we put so much stock in and focus into these things that we think are going to be meaningful. And they can be. They should be, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, but but not when that's what I'm expecting and, yeah. and hoping for and putting my building my foundation on, on those things. Yeah, I like what you're saying. We are taking this further because you're. it's not like the life that God has given to people is meant to be meaningless, but to make it into a God or to make it as something that this is going to be the definition, this is going to be the goal. Um, Like the means and the ends, you know, what's the means, what's the end conversation. If you're making an end out of these things, uh, I've, I've run every test, Solomon says, right? The teacher says, I've run them all through and, and uh, you're just going to die and give it away to somebody else. And so whatever wall you build will, be, fall, will fall down someday and right. disappear, you know? So he, he's got a great way of helping us keep the means and an end um, in perspective, at least initially by clearing the table of anything you would say is a worthy end that isn't God, uh, a life lived with a purpose that isn't um, oriented around God and his His will and his purpose for us. Right, and that's really what he, oh, he keeps coming back to, um, especially I think in the, in the latter parts of, of this book. But even in the earlier sections, it's just, right, this is all meaningless by itself. This is all meaningless by itself. But when the Lord is your foundation... Now I can begin to enjoy these things, um, you know, and that's just the way the Bible talks about it uh, throughout as a whole. You know, things yeah. like um, greed is wrong and sinful, but money itself isn't. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that I get so wrapped up in money that I let it drive my my heart and life, and it becomes my idol that I worship and 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 takes control of my life. That that's when this beautiful blessing that God sets before us of of wealth, of means, of things like that, all of a sudden now it becomes a sinful idol. But if I am, find a contentment in what God has blessed me with, with whether that's a lot or a little, but but I understand it's it's from God to be used to glorify and thank God in the life I live. Now all of a sudden, I, I find a contentment and 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 a happiness with what I have, yeah, and not being driven by what I don't have or the need for more. Mm-hmm. And and so I think that's kind of Solomon's. The wisdom he's trying to pass on on here too is this idea that that God gives us great things. He gives us family. He gives us blessings. He gives us riches. He gives us time. He gives us all these the wisdom and all this stuff. But we really can't find meaning of it, I guess, and purpose until we we first find and build on on Christ. There's another way that he says that with suffering. I like I love what you're saying, but like suffering, for example, you know, consider he he doesn't just throw this out as this is an example that life is meaningless because it hurts and it stinks sometimes. You know, yeah. he he says no, consider consider that God has given both the blessing and the struggle and the test. You know, God is like testing this heart, so there is a a rich theology that kind of lets 
lets life be what it is from from birth to death with all of its uh, different ends of the spectrum where you find yourself blessed one day and feeling cursed the next and he brings it all under the hand of God and and urges you to find your meaning in in the heart of God and who God is to you that's that's remember your creator right, right. Yeah. that's not okay wait till god makes sense of your life for you and tells you about your future no remember your creator know your god remember who he is and that'll help you that's the only way to live life it kind of plants you in the present there was another way i wish i had all the references in front of me but there was another way he talked about like you can't know your future right you know yep. you, you just so embrace Embrace what it is going to be in the Lord in, in an idea of rather than running or pursuing only as long as it's going down a certain path I want it to go down. But this, this future is in God's hands and he, he's the one behind the blessing. He's the one behind the trouble and, and he's in a, in a good way and um, let him, let him be God. Um, so I love that anchor. Yeah. You know, there's a little, there's a little push to the answer, um, in in that kind of language. Yeah, Jesus teaches the same thing when he says, "Don't worry about tomorrow." You know, <laughs> take today for what today is, and and see how God blesses you in this day and cares for you and provides for you, and tomorrow will take care of itself. Um, and how often don't we just we 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 get so distracted and and frustrated and anxious about what's going to happen tomorrow? And, and our plans that maybe aren't going to work out the way we want them to. And we have sleepless nights and we have, you know, just agony throughout the day. Um, I think that's part of what, what you're alluding to and what Solomon says too. just take each day for the blessing that it is and find contentment in that day. And the Lord will, will watch over you and bless you for the next day. And, and I like how you brought up the suffering piece too, because that's, that pulls in with everything that we do. Um, because it's not just the the good things that God gives to us, but it's the suffering too, to understand that, that God has a reason for it. Um, and he hasn't forsaken you or abandoned you through it either. Mm-hmm. And, and so let my eyes be focused on him and, and walk with him, um, through whatever the day might bring. Yeah. I think Solomon is a really good teacher on that point. Like you're, like you're saying, he's been addressing our, our real life. And he's doing it from this perspective of this is a great evil, he sometimes says, and another evil that I saw under the sun, that that God would let something happen to the wicked that also happens to the righteous. Or sometimes like the script gets reversed and you think that life with God's going to be all rosy and instead the trouble comes to the, you know, I see this great evil. Well, what is God doing with this trouble? He's helping me not anchor myself in the things of this world but to anchor myself in the god who created it and the god who redeemed it and the god who's taking me forever um through through christ so there's a really nice way of letting go letting go of all the things on the table um and just holding on by holding on by faith to the god who who has these things in his hands. Yeah. And I think uh, maybe another way of saying that is, is understanding the priorities in life. Mm-hmm. Um, Solomon's understanding the priorities. The, these are all things that, that he enjoyed and, and was blessed with. And, and the reality is, is, is when God came to Solomon and he said, ask for anything, ask for anything. Solomon could have asked for, 
he could have asked for a, a powerful army. He could have asked for, you know, just coffers filled with treasures, right? Beyond anything. But he asked for wisdom. And God was so pleased with it that he still blessed him with with peace in his land and and a great image among all the nations around him and great wealth and treasures and, and all these other blessings too. And and the, the but the reality is is that he understood that his relationship with God was first and foremost, at least in the beginning. And mm-hmm. and these other things came and later he got distracted by the other things and, and perhaps with my theory, he wrote this at the end of his life. He's recounting and realizing my priorities got messed up. This was all meaningless uh, until I built on Jesus. Um, I think that's important for us too, because we live in a world where we get so wrapped up with, with the busyness of life that I I know in my own life, priorities get mixed up. Um, and, And how often don't we just get so busy and distracted by things that we forget to spend time with the Lord or to share uh, a moment with with the family um, or, or whoever it is, a little moment of prayer and, and time in God's word together, because we got to run. Um, we, we've got we've got this event, we've got this sports thing going on, we've got this party to go to, we've got this commitment that that has to happen, um, and then we have the errands that have to be run and the house that has to be cleaned and, and whatever else, uh, and then uh, the the binging of TV and and all these things that I think I need to have too to relax and but yeah they're all good right and and they can be tremendous blessings however mm-hmm. they're not number 1 mm-hmm. and when i don't have christ in my life well then my priorities are are really really messed up yeah and and that's one thing i i take away from this book too is reprioritize what's important in life mm-hmm. take the time to to have a meaningful day that begins with the lord yeah. in your your life yeah and how does god make all these things you know, important in his own way, you know, how does he shape those priorities or the thinking as you engage in life? Let's come back to that. We'll take a little break for a Holy Week shout out commercial, and then uh, we'll come back and, and keep going. Okay. All right. Thank you. shining on an empty tomb to show you Jesus is risen from the dead. Easter speaks the life-changing truth that sin cannot condemn you, guilt cannot control you, and death cannot contain you. Get ready for Easter this year and celebrate Holy Week with us, starting with Palm Sunday, April 14th. Worship times for these special days are posted at www.gracedowntown.org. Come, this grace is for you. Okay, so we're back. <laughs> yeah, good to be back. Yeah, there you go. Let's uh let's keep going. We were talking about how a lot of things if you reprioritize them, you're looking for finding the the way that life is is fit together and tied together. And I was thinking about how like in vocation, for example, all these different things that you get to do or the cup of cold water that's given to a little child. Jesus says that's meaningful to me. And these things aren't ultimately meaningless. It's just that they find their meaning 
in service to others for the sake of, you know, what what is the purpose? What is the goal of the cup of cold water when it happens in my name, Jesus says, right? So when you find the, why am I serving somebody else? Why am I enjoying a relationship, whether it's a neighbor, friend, or family member? You know, it's for the sake of the gospel. I want people to go to heaven. I'm serving your needs to let my light shine, to care for you as part of a bigger picture of God's care for you and 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 a messaging of, of God's love for your soul, right? So I think you start to you start to come out of the world of maybe Ecclesiastes. We have all these questions and you've, um, or you're looking for this answer and you, you begin to say the Bible is, is easily given. When I let scripture interpret scripture and I let the other books fill in the details, the Bible has given me a beautiful purpose and meaning to life. It may not all be spelled out in the book of Ecclesiastes, but it's coming out in many other books too, which yeah. is enjoyable to see. Yeah, I mean, just think about how how much more purpose and meaning you find in in, in the things in life when when God's first, right? I, I find so much more joy in in my wealth, my my treasures, if that's what God has blessed me with, when I'm actually using it for others. Isn't there that that axiom that it's better to give than to receive, right? And mm-hmm. and so this idea that that when I'm when I'm using the the wealth God's blessed me with to to bless others, to serve others, to to further the gospel. I heard so many stories and and from people who just say, "What a joy that is that my, that my money or, or my gifts are able to go and support this." There's joy in that. Or just the the tedious job, right? The the job that is just it's so meaningless. I go and do the same thing every day, right? And I'm just so tired. I'm burnt out. But but then you put God first in your life, and now maybe it changes my perspective about my my job. My job now is all of a sudden it's not it's not about me and and just making a a, a way to meet ends and make ends meet, um, but but rather it's this is the where God has put me today, and I'm going to serve the Lord faithfully as and work today as though I'm serving the Lord, not not a boss, not man, right? Mm-hmm. And or or my family, what what a tremendous blessing this is, but. But not the struggles and everything else, but what a joy when when I look at my family is as ones that I'm going to spend an eternity with because we are grounding ourselves in faith in Christ Jesus. And so you see these things that all these these things that are in our life that without God end up being meaningless. Mm-hmm. But when you put God in it, now all of a sudden, not only is there meaning and purpose, but there's joy. Yeah. And that's beautiful. We know one of the ways he's it's one of my favorite passages is at the end of chapter five. Yeah. And he says, um, you know, when when um, there that there is a person that seldom reflects on the days of their life because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. And I think that reflection, like God is an anti-reflection, but what he's getting at is a reflection of, of like the positive or negative, you know, and putting things in categories as say, this is good for me and that's the part that's bad for me. And you keep reflecting on your wins and your losses and keeping score and all these things. But when your heart is, is focused on God, you're never a loser in a sense. I mean, you kind of eliminate a column. You eliminate all those categories and say, you know, they're not reflecting in this way, uh, this this constant tug of war with life. Um, And instead they're in, they're just singing with their harp in gladness of joy, the, the life of faith with God. That, that verse to me stands out as, you know, how do I, how do I find that peace that seldom reflects 
you know, maybe in a negative way on life. But instead, I'm, I'm just occupied with the story of my God and the story of his love. And I think right. that's our goal with worship. And I mean, obviously with Bible class and devotional life and a Bible reading challenge is to occupy ourselves with gladness because of what God says. Right. I have the the word contentment in the the col- or the the side of my my notes of my Bible here at that verse and and I think that's that's what contentment is. It's it's like what you said, it's finding it's finding a joy and a peace and and a trust in our Lord that once I have that everything else is just kind of like the cherry on on top. I can be content um even even in the suffering even in the challenges and especially in the good days to know that this is what God has blessed me with and and I'm walking with him today mhm yeah i love it it's beautiful one of the doctrines that um you know before we close one of the doctrines that jumps out is in chapter 12 we we refer to this one often like um maybe in a bible information class we're talking about judgment day or dying you know and he says that the um, dust returns to the ground it came from. You know, there's so remember your Creator, which is a big faith remembrance encouragement um, in this chapter 12 section. And in verse 7, he says, And dust is going to return to the ground it came from, and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. And it just is this way that this whole book would, takes your whole life and, and draws it into this ultimate moment this ultimate time where the dust is going to go to the ground what's you know get out your little labeler and and you know put a sticky on all the things that are dust and going to go to the ground there's one thing that is at the heart that is going to go to god and is not going to end and and it's right there in that huge teaching verse for us to consider eternal things a little plug for for the condition of the soul um, with with God, remember your Creator. I just it's such a powerful way to, um, you know, almost this contrast is to go through the moment of death in that verse right. and see what goes where, and um, like doing a funeral. You know, have you ever done a funeral and you just kind of feel focused mm-hmm. after it? You know, you go home to your family after your funeral and you just want to tell your kids about Jesus and. Well, we're going to go to heaven someday, and you're just kind of filled in your chest with yeah. all these great things, right? Absolutely. I think that's what he does here. He's, he's had his little funeral moment. The dust is going to go there, and the spirit's going to go to God. Ah, oh, and it just inspires a whole perspective perspective on life. Yeah, and I think I, I had never thought about it until we were talking about it now, but this, this verse, too, I think really does a nice job of of this is what, this is what Solomon's talking about throughout this book is is this balance between the earthly and the spiritual mm-hmm. right the things of this world and the, the life with with in relationship with God and and trying to, to have this balance understanding that the things of this world that that we seek so much to find meaning and, and purpose in is only for this life and and when we die it stays behind like the body that we live in will become dust of the ground but the spirit, uh, the heart that God wants and and claims through Christ and and through faith in His Holy Spirit, that lives on, and and that's what we, and that's what really sets the foundation for the enjoyment of everything else in life is is having a spirit that is that it belongs to God, and that finds joy and contentment in the Lord. And so it's just I think 
yeah, that's a really neat way of just understanding this whole book of understanding this balance between the earthly and the spiritual. Yeah. Yeah. Great. I think we covered enough bases for round one with the book of Ecclesiastes. I think so too. That's awesome. It is a fun, it's a fun read. It's just a, um, it's a great storytelling, you know, the way that he talks about these different things throughout the book. Yeah. I think they, it's, it's intriguing read and it really engages the, the mind, uh, on a, on a, um, where the rubber meets the road kind of level, you right. know, and it makes you look at the things you're doing right here, right now, and yeah. urges us to live in the present in the Lord. Absolutely. So, not a meaningless book. Not a meaningless book, but it is most certainly true. We have to say that together. We do. To end the podcast. Okay. <laughs> On this wonderful, beautiful, horsey day. <laughs> this is most, most certainly, certainly true. true. Thank you so much.